Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Club. This is the place everyday real estate investors gather to share their best stories, biggest insights, and favorite tactics to grow a portfolio of cash-flowing properties in today's market. Here's your host, Gabe Peterson. All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Real Estate Investing Club. It is a sunny Seattle day. You wouldn't imagine it. We're getting sun over here, which means good things for the summer. So I hope you guys are uh, doing well wherever you're at. Today, we have Chris Prefontaine with us from Smart Real Estate Coach. Chris has experience all across the board from constructing no new homes to commercial to residential, you name it. Chris has done it. He has a lot of experience to go into, so I am super excited to have him here. Chris, thanks for hopping on the show. Yeah, pleasure to be here, Gabe. I really appreciate you having me. I can't wait to dive in, see if we can drop some nuggets. Absolutely. Um, I told you before we got on here, we like stories. We like to hear how people got where they are. So why don't we take us back to the beginning of your story? How'd you get in real estate? Well, you and I, it's been 32 years this year, so it might be a, we're going to keep it brief. Um <laughs> I started in 91, literally, um, started building homes, um, no, had no experience, started building homes with no money. Got I was in my 20s, so I was naive. I thought that's what you that's what you can do. I heard it on a tape. I said, I can do that. Um, <laughs> I built a pretty decent business. We built hundreds of homes that way. And then I bought a realty executives franchise in the mid 90s with one intention, sell it. I sold it in 2000 to Cobalt Banker. And then I worked on my own deals from that point and coached people throughout United States and Canada from that point to the crash of 08. Mm. So the crash of 08 was really the story, if you will, because the crash of 08 beat me up financially, mentally, and every other way. But in hindsight, it's the best thing to happen because it then caused me to get back in the business. But I said, okay, I got no money. My credit's beat, beat up. It's in the toilet. What do I do? And that was buy homes without using banks, without using cash, not not caring about my credit because it was non-existent. And that's what literally birthed the company. And so now look back in hindsight, uh, we have a family business, myself, my son, my son-in-law, my daughter, my wife. Uh, it's grown to about 25 people. Uh, we do deals ourselves still all throughout New England, but we also help students uh, East Coast to West Coast and a little bit in Canada do deals the same exact way. No banks, no cash, no credit. And um, uh, doing that again, all, all across the country and into Canada. So that's a fast forward of 32 years in about three minutes. I love it. And you know, I never, uh, I never wish hard times upon people, but we've had other people who uh, ha went through the 2008 crash and really got kicked in the teeth. They yeah. all came out better with more refined strategies at real estate. It sounds like you're you're the same. You came out, you're really good at creative financing, which is one of the things that I, I love talking about here on the show, because um, if you only are looking through the lens of financing your deals with banks, that you're just limiting yourself tremendously through the deals and the return that you're going to get on those deals. So um, I'm super excited to dive into the nitty gritty of this. I know that you guys are, you're big on creative financing, you're big on creative deal structuring. Why don't you take us into your system, um, how you guys run your deals and what is your favorite way to close deals without, you know, if a person's in a situation where they don't have good credit, they don't have a lot of money to, uh, to put into deals, um, you know, taking that perspective. Yeah. And if I, if Santosh want me to peel back, let me know. So all our deals, just to tell you where they come from, all our deals come from where most people listening probably get it. They come from expired listings. 
that come from for sale by owner, for rent by owner. Now we have niched lists after that, but those are the basic lead sources when someone's brand, brand new. And then um, we typically will have a virtual assistant call on those, not us. Now, if you're brand new and you go, hey, I got to hit the phones budget-wise or whatever, I can't afford a virtual assistant, a VA. Okay, but that's what we usually do. And that's what we teach all across the country. Now, favorite deal by far, we buy things three ways. We buy things lease purchase, owner financing, and subject to existing financing. By far, my my preference is to own, so that would be owner financing or subject to existing financing. But if I was to break those down, you said pick one. I would pick the owner financing because we go after, we speak with the niched list within owner financing, and that is free and clear. Okay. So the building I'm standing in right now, I own. We Even though we teach mostly single family to, to students to keep them laser focused, this building was bought because it was free and clear, We and we knew that. And we bought on a 20-year owner financing deal. And when we buy owner financing, Gabe, we buy with principal-only monthly payments. That is an enormous recession hedge. It is enormous profit generator. Um, principal-only monthly payments with sellers. Um, that's why I prefer because I'll give you some metrics and I can then I'll throw it back to you. If you're doing an owner financing deal and it's about 200 grand or higher, most people listening go, okay, that's my market. And you can structure at least a 48-month deal, not difficult to do. And you can structure monthly principal payments of $950. We call it 1000 for a round number a month. You just created, with our three-payday system, you just created six figures in the course of that deal, not overnight, four years in that case, every single time. Well, that's pretty cool. Not many people need like 30 of those in a year, right, to, to have a great experience. That's why I love it. Yeah. And I mean, so many times we've said this on the podcast that it doesn't take it takes far fewer deals than you think to get to the financial number that a lot of people have in their mind. Um, it doesn't take a thousand units or ten self storage facilities or whatever asset you're going after. It doesn't take a ton of them. It only right. takes a few to get to where you want. So I, I love to hear that. It's interesting that you guys do principal only. I I am huge on seller financing. In fact, most of my portfolio was bought with seller financing, but it's uh, always you know interest only or principal and interest. Um, we're really trying lease out, uh, lease to own now, uh, or lease option. I mean, but principal only is something that I have attempted in the past, but generally I get a lot of pushback. It might be because you know we're on the commercial side, so I'm talking to business owners. Um, but what's been your feedback in terms of the reception from the seller's perspective on you know having a principal only offer? Yeah, good question. Very good question on a few fronts, and I'll so I'll peel back a few things. One is. You are 100% correct. I'm tracking with you with respect to the bigger properties. Owner financing is very prevalent, but usually got to mix in some interest. So let me give you an example. I think examples are always better. This building, this gentleman was the one of the largest landowners on the island. We live on a three-town island. And he was into math. And, and he happened to get my book, but that's just because I kind of conveniently placed it there before I was going to meet him. But he said to me, Okay, here's my price. I want 550 and I want five point, I think it was three percent interest, amortized over 30 and the balloon in 20. That's what he gave me. Okay. So I broke the so the barrier of owner financing was already broken. He wanted it for trust and state planning and taxes. I said, Well, we buy principal only. And you might you might think I had an asparagus growing out of my forehead. Like he thought I was nuts because he was in real estate. Yeah. So I said, All right, Alan. Um, he was it was in this office where I'm standing, it was his office. And I said, okay, I'll tell you what we'll do. And this is a hybrid that I love. I said, I will pay principal only for the first, I think we did 18 months or 20 months, whatever it was. And then at that point, we'll amortize it out. And I got them down to like, not much, but 5.2, I think it made my number work. 
And then, so he was happy and I was happy. That literally took a 10 minute conversation. However, on most residential, I'm looking to solve something that they can't, or they would have already done it, right? Yeah. And that is, I want top dollar or I got a tax issue or I got a state planning issue, um, something like that. And then, and we usually, I'm not usually, like 99% of the time in residential, we do it uh, with no problem at all. But you're right. There's something you're going to do a hybrid. Yep. Yep. That makes sense. Um, so you've also mentioned subject to and lease to own. Mm-hmm. Subject to, I've found, you know, that's another thing that I have attempted in the past. I've, I haven't closed one successfully. Again, it might be because of the loans that are, that are, um, attached to commercial properties, but subject to, I found really difficult to actually execute because banks have that, you know, do on sale clause. Um, so you, you attempt the subject to, and the bank says, all right, now you got to pay all the amount. Um, do you guys generally run into that issue? Is there a way around it? Uh, what, what do you think about that? Yeah. Most, most asked question right there. (laughs) So, all right. So let me just say this for the listeners subject to existing financing right now, is beautiful because we are grabbing properties at two and a quarter, two, uh, sorry, two and three quarters, three and a quarter percent interest rates left over from before the, the change, right? Now, as far as the new on sale, I always want to make sure that I put a big fat disclosure across the board and say, I'm not an attorney. I'm just going to tell you how we do it. Hmm. How we've been advised to do them for years, years and years and years is a couple ways. One is we place the property title in a trust and if it's your house, Gabe, I, I would put it in one, two, three jump shoes, your house, and you're leaving or you're behind, or you just need out. We're going to put that in one, two, three jump street, Peterson Family Trust. Why are we doing that? It's not a fail safe. It's another layer of anonymity. Why? Because in 80, I think it was like 82, I might be off of you, the Garmin St. Germain Act was put in place that said, if you do estate planning, I'm summarizing non-attorney, if you do estate planning, you can transfer it and won't trigger due on sale. So we place it in that uh, naming uh, naming mechanism, and we also place it in a trust. Uh, we recently had to go back and get a property to help a student, and it was in a trust. And all we had to do was change a beneficial interest and get signed off by the student. So there's so many things the attorneys can do behind the scenes to help you navigate that. But but this is important. You've got to deal with an attorney that does subject twos. Yeah. Because absent that, you will have a nightmare and a headache. So our attorney does them in 32 states. That is that took us a long time to find her. So that therefore, I don't, I'm not concerned ever about that. And if they are concerned, one more technique is, and we could talk about more, but time-wise, is we put it in a land contract or a contract for deed, which means if you're not familiar, it sits for the listeners, it sits in a in an escrow. It doesn't get recorded. Mm-hmm. And so there's, there's ways around that too. There's a student in PA that his attorney said to him, hey, Don, there's a bunch of foreclosures going on. They must have been going on a rampage in that little town. He said, just do a contract for deed and we don't have to worry about it. That was an attorney saying that to him. So other ways around it, you, you shouldn't worry about it. Yep. Yep. That makes sense. Um, yeah. And actually the next op- one that I was going to ask is the lease option, the contract for deed. I think those are the same. That, that's the same concept that I've always referred to it as a lease option. That's the same thing as a contract for deed, correct? Uh, okay. Sort of how it behaves. The difference is when you do a contract for deed, the it's like you uh, at least how our accountant treats it. It's just like you bought it in every way, except for the deed does not get recorded. Uh, you got to oh, cloud titles okay, to protect okay. your interest. So it is different, yeah, yeah. Because the lease purchase, unfortunately, you get zero accounting benefits. You're getting taxed the highest rate when you cash that out, unfortunately. But they're a good vehicle for new people because they cost. We have a ten dollar deposit built into our lease purchase agreements, ten bucks. And you talk about the three paydays we create. You're talking about forty, fifty, sixty. Some of them a couple hundred grand for a deal. Yeah. Well, the reason um, I like lease options, especially on the commercial side, is 
you the the number is presented as a a rental rate versus an interest rate and so people get so caught up on interest rates if it's not the interest rate that that they want um even if it's the number they want if it's not the interest rate they want they'll push back very very hard and so if you can if i can present that in a different form in a rental rate so this you know the rental rate is $15,000 a month or whatever it is versus yeah. a 5% interest on the on the principal um, people will be more receptive to that. And so that's the reason that I've kind of, uh, been looking at, um, lease or, uh, lease options more. Although the problem with that is you don't actually own the property you're leasing yeah. it. And so, you know, pluses and minuses, but I like that you guys have so many tools in your tool belt. Um, you're really getting it done is your, your focus right now is mostly on single family, correct? Do you do commercial? We do. So this is good because I like, I call it from stage, but let me just say from a teaching platform, right? We do mostly single family because I, I know from history that if I go up there and go do this and do this multi and do this mixture, like it's too many shiny objects. Yeah, yeah. So we say do this. And as you get leads and things come in, you will run into others. Tell us and we'll show you how to do them. Or after you get your base laid, maybe it's three years. Okay, let's use the same concept you just learned. You learned a skill set that you have for life. Let's take that now to a different asset class. It's Okay. Um, if you read, what was the book I read recently uh, Van, about the Vanderbilts? Cause I'm here in Newport, Rhode Island. It talked about them buying and selling real estate Gabe, in New York in the 1600s owner financing. And they called it master lease purchase. Imagine that before banking. So this is not new. Yeah. You just got to get good at one thing and don't get shiny object syndrome. And then you can delve. Yeah. Yeah. That is, I mean, even for me, that was a really hard thing is uh, when you get into real estate, there's so many ways to do it. There's so many yeah asset classes and strategies and yada, yada, yada. And so if you, yeah. if you want to do them all, you're never going to get anything done. So you got to choose one thing, go for it as hard as you can. And eventually you'll get some, uh, some traction. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at the clock. We are running it down. So I'm going to ask uh, a few last questions. I love to talk about marketing because every deal starts with finding the deal. And so what is your guys's most uh, effective way of finding good deals in today's market? It, it is the phone, believe it or not. We don't spend money, I, frankly, because I didn't have any at the time, but we, we we just work the phones with the virtual assistants and that way the cream rises to the top and we call them. And it's still to this day is, is our preferred method. Yep. Yep. That makes sense. And then last question about today's market. Um, you know, we're in a, not a bad time, but just a time when there's a lot of uh, uncertainty about what the market's going to do. Um, is it going to go up? Is it going to go down? Is commercial going to crash or single family is going to you know, go through the roof? Who knows? Everybody has their own ideas. So what is your interpretation of the next two years uh, for, I mean, I guess you can talk on single family because that's uh, that's your bread and butter. Well, I can say this generally speaking to help everyone. The billionaires don't know. So don't let anyone tell you, yep, this is where the market's going. If Gabe and I knew that, we wouldn't be on the show together. We'd be somewhere else on the beach maybe. But here's what I think. Here's what I know in my niche. Creative real estate, any asset class, creative real estate has never been in such high demand than it is right now. And I don't see it stopping for the next ensuing years because of the banks and all the headaches that are going on. When chaos and uncertainty hits like it is now, and it hit the beginning of COVID too, that's when creative real estate gets another notch up. So I don't see that changing over the next several years. Uh, plus, we got an election behind that. So I just don't see it changing, in my personal opinion. Here's the fact, though. People in real estate too many times go, I'm going to wait to this. I'm going to wait to that. I'm going to wait till it bottoms out. In creative real estate, you don't have to. In creative real estate, you say, how can I pivot this month? How can I pivot next month? And so on and so forth. Not, do I wait to do a certain deal? No, you keep doing deals. You just understand how to pivot and work those deals. That makes sense? 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I, I love that um, perspective. You know, there's an up market, there's a down market, but you can always find good deals. That's that's what yeah. I like to say is there's a good deal in every market. So just keep keep putting the you know putting one foot in front of the other. Keep looking for good deals. Eventually, you're gonna wow. find one. Um, all right, so that wraps up the the first portion of the podcast. It's time to jump into the quick question round. Are you ready? Sure, Maurice, I'm gonna be. <laughs> Let's do it. Starts with books or any form of education. I need two recommendations: one for general life wisdom, one for real estate. Uh, real estate. I always go back to the uh, behind the gold notches. I think it is is that the McDonald's story that they did the movie on because it's business, personal struggle, it's everything. And then real estate. Um, I'm sorry, non real estate. Um, I the book I read recently. If you ask me this every three months, it'll change. Is your next five moves by Patrick okay. Bet David. Just an awesome book. If you if you're talking about um, just business in general, yeah. No, I uh, I I haven't heard of that one. That's the first time it's been recommended. So I'll have to awesome. check it out. Um, the next question is for your younger self. So let's go back to the Chris pre two thousand eight crash. Let's you know back in nineteen ninety one when he was doing his first new construction deal. Go back to him. Look him in the eye. Give him one piece of advice moving forward. Um. Find someone that's where you want to be and put the blinders on and follow them for three to seven years. Plain and simple. You can't screw that up. If you do that, it's harder to do. Nice. No, absolutely. And we always talk about mentors here. It's the fastest way to get good results in real estate is find somebody to uh, to learn from and emulate. So love these that you said that. And that moves us to the third question or fourth. I don't know what number we're on, but the next question is about your positions in your business. We uh, live and die by the people we work with. So what are the first three positions you hired for? And would you do it differently if you did it again today? Not the people, but the positions. Uh, interesting. Okay. So EA, uh, executive assistant was my first. Second was in our world. Second was a buyer specialist, happened to be my son. I honestly don't remember who the third was. I, I don't um, order wise, but I would tell you this to answer your second piece of that. If you plopped me today in any market across the country, I would hire an executive assistant first for sure. And so I'm not doing anything but what I'm supposed to be doing and yep. generating deals. Yep. Yep. I, I'm pretty much every single person says uh, VAEA, that will be in the first three things that they hired, the first three yeah. people that they hired. And uh, it, I would 100% recommend that if you're just starting out today, get somebody, go to Upwork, go to Fiverr, go anywhere that you can get um, VAs, find somebody that's reliable and uh, just have them by your side because they're going to help you out a lot. Uh, moves us to the next question. This is about the U.S. It's a big place, a lot of square miles out there, a lot of opportunities. So give me one metro you're most excited about investing in today. All right. This is probably not going to be the answer you want. We uh, Just like the market issue, I, we don't go by market. Um, I go by where you are, and I can show you how to do that within a 50-mile radius of where you live. Uh, other niches, you have to, and not, and as you don't. So it's, with it, it's wherever the heck you are, I'll show you how to do it. All right. So your your backyard is your favorite yeah. metro. I like yeah, it. Yeah. Next question is about mentors. Uh, you already mentioned this, but none of us are islands. We all stand on the shoulders of giants. So who is one mentor who's contributed significantly to your career today? Uh, I got so many. I, I'm going to tell you more personal. My father, because before real estate, I grew up in a family business that wasn't real estate. And I literally would look forward to going in his office. And I don't know what I'd call it. You call it a pep talk, whatever you want, but it just realigned me. And so, yeah, that was early on. Yeah, Parental figures are the first mentors all of us have. So I love that. 
Um, the next one is about your strengths. We all get, have gifts that we give this world. So what is your unique gift? You know, I like doing deals, Gabe. It's funny, I, about nine months ago, we pivoted in the company and my son-in-law took on more of the building and the team and all that. And I said, look, I just want to work with our best students and do deals. That, that's what started the company. And that's, so I'm back to my roots and he's he's growing it. And I just want to keep doing deals because that's what puts money in people's pocket. Deal making. I love it. That leads us to the very last question. This is for the listeners. You've given us a lot to think about and a, I'm sure people want to reach out, get in contact with you. Um, I believe you said you had something to offer. So what is it that you're offering? And then uh, where can they reach out and get in contact? Yeah, so we'll send, similar to what we sent you, we'll send all your listeners privately a free book. You probably get a couple of the goodies in there, but I'm talking about an actual hardcover book, our best-selling book, Real Estate on Your Terms and Deal Structure Over Time. And that will not be one of those offers, Gabe, where you go free book and then you get to put in a credit card for shipping. Free, nothing. You won't put in anything in. We'll ship it out to you. Just go to Wicked Smart Books, wickedsmartbooks.com forward slash Gabe. So we know it came from the show and uh, we can respect that and get those out to you guys. All right. That is wickedsmartbooks.com slash Gabe, G-A-B-E. I will put that link in the show notes. So if y'all want to get that that uh, goodie, go ahead and click a little more in the description. It'll pull down the full description and in there you can find that link. Um, and thank you again for sending that to me. I received those books. They looked great. I haven't, uh, I, I was telling Chris before the podcast, I haven't cracked it open yet because uh, we're expecting our first kid next month. And so this, we had our, uh, our, um, what do you call it? Baby shower this weekend. And it's just been crazy. So, but the books looked fantastic. I'm sure there's tons of goodies in there. So if you guys want that, click on the, on the more in the description. Again, it'll pull down that full description in there. You can find Chris's link. All right, man. Well, that wraps it up. Thank you very much for hopping on the show. Thank you. Appreciate it. Absolutely. For everybody who's here with us today, thank you guys for showing up. You are the reason we do this. So if you guys have any questions whatsoever, reach out to me, Gabe, at the real estate investing club.com. And if you guys want to support the show, all we ask is to give us a like, subscribe, share, all that jazz. Other than that, I hope you guys have an absolutely fantastic week. Keep rocking real estate. And I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. All right, before I officially sign off, I have a quick announcement to make. If you're interested in becoming a passive investor in one of my deals, my own company, Kaizen Properties, is looking for capital partners for our upcoming projects. We invest in what are known as recession-resistant assets, mainly self-storage facilities, mobile home and RV parks, and industrial properties. If you're interested in investing and would like to learn a little bit more about my company, our investing criteria, and some of the previous projects we've done, Go to the Real Estate Investing Club podcast at therealestateinvestingclub.com and scroll all the way down to the bottom of the page. Click on the Invest With Us button. That'll pop up the investor form. Fill that out and we will reach back out to you as soon as we can. Or if you prefer a little bit more of a personal touch, you can reach out to me at gabe at therealestateinvestingclub.com. So really, that is it. Again, it was a pleasure hanging out with you guys during this episode, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode.